0: Mauro Ranallo, as I've put in this tweet, he's a fucking awful wrestling commentator. And as I've said on Twitter, the quicker people realize this, the better. He's like the guy who screams and shouts his way to winning an argument, which is true. For me, a great commentator, they shout when appropriate, not during a 30-second squash. We're about to make history, each and every one of you, we use the word REVOLUTION because this is a REVOLUTION! I am NXT, and I'm not going anywhere. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Bruh. This is an official declaration of war tonight. To anyone who wants to get in my way, and anybody who stands in AEW's way, we! This is what you call a paradigm shift. Hello, and welcome to week. 31 of the wednesday night wars i am your host daniel you are listening to the wwe versus aew podcast back and stronger than ever And so yeah let's get into what we're going to be talking about tonight on the podcast so two big shows we had nxt with two world title matches on the line that have been built up for weeks On NXT, we had Velveteen Dream facing Adam Cole for the NXT Heavyweight Championship. And from the women's side of things, we had Charlotte Flair in her first defense of the NXT Women's Championship against, for me, one of the best women wrestlers in the world in Io Shirai. Um, So yeah, a big show from NXT, AEW, they had broken Matt in in in-ring competition for the first time, teaming with Kenny Omega to take on the team of the sex gods in Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, Um, so that was a big match, we had the return of Jon Moxley, apparently in wrestling, if someone is off the show for a week or two these days, it is billed as a return, as you will see if you're a WWE watcher, with Becky Lynch returning to Raw next week. To confront the winner of the Money in the Bank. But that is AEW. We also had the return of MJF. They'd also hyped up a Cody Rhodes versus Joey Janela match. So, two pretty big shows. AEW were back live for the first time in what feels like forever. Um, about what, six weeks, maybe five, six weeks. They have been taping shows out of Atlanta, Georgia. That was taped probably about five or six weeks ago. So, this is the first time a lot of the people have been seeing each other. They were back in Jacksonville at Daly's Place, the venue for the fight for the Fallen show from last July, I want to say, July, and they also did the New Year's Day episode of Dynamite from this building, one of my favourite buildings um, in wrestling, really, Um, just behind, I think, is it Bankfield, the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, we've got some stuff to talk about, some bits and news before we get into the ratings the revival now the revival obviously got released from wwe what six weeks ago six weeks ago now maybe longer and they were released probably like a week or two before the the big cut the black wednesday as it was billed check out our podcast from neutral wrestling on the live firings taking place from wwe just go to the neutral wrestling Archives for that, but yeah. So, the revival they actually requested their release and were given it prior to all these releases. So, the question is, where would they go? And um, they were, as I said, they were on Chris Jericho's podcast the other day, Talk is Jericho, under their new names. Um, <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember those names. What was it, CAX, CAX, Harwood, or something? Uh, God knows, anyway. So the news coming out of that is basically they were keeping the cards pretty close to the chest. They weren't saying that they were basically rushing to get back in another relationship, as it were. They're in no rush to sign for anyone. And um, obviously, they forced themselves really not to compete um, due to only awWw really being the only companies that are still putting on shows. Obviously, Impact I believe is still putting on some shows, but. The Revival was saying they're in no rush to sign with anyone else. But if you listen to the whole podcast, the message coming out of the Talk Is Jericho podcast was that The Revival would have been fine staying with WWE if they believed they would put some effort, some emphasis on the tag team division. Now, we know The Revival eventually realised that was not going to happen. So they left, they left, they let the contracts run out and they left the company. Um, So if you put two and two together and get four, it would tell you that the next place that they're looking for is going to be somewhere where they put a lot of emphasis on the tag team titles. Now, AEW, they said on their first, if you go back to that first press conference in, well, not the first, but it was like the second one, weren't it, in Las Vegas, back in the cold in Las Vegas of January 2019, when the world was a better, more happier place than it is now. Um, The books came up and they said, that tag team wrestling would headline shows. And since then, we've shown the, the tag team wrestling that has just been brilliant. It's been brilliant from our men, AEW. We've got the great team of Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, the Lucha Brothers, the fast-rising stars of Private Party, the experience of SCU. So if you're The Revival, it is a no-brainer. They will be going to All Elite Wrestling. I would bet a huge sum of money if I was a gambling man, which I'm not um, anymore, um, I would bet a huge amount of money on the revival joining AEW. I think you'll see it sooner rather than later. They said in the podcast themselves that they're not people who like the fans knowing everything, hence their actions on their Twitter accounts. So they're not going to come on talkies. talk as Jerry come back. Oh, yeah, we're going to sign with AEW. But reading between the lines, they're going to sign with AEW. They did talk about how they wanted to face teams like G.O.D. in New Japan, But for me, the weakest part of New Japan over these last three, four years of somewhat of a boom period for them has been their lacklustre tag division. I feel like all I ever see on these big shows is Gorillas of Destiny versus Sonada and Evil. Just seems to be a big loop of a match where usually I don't pay much attention because those matches are pretty boring. Um, So, yeah, there's not much going on with the tag division in New Japan, although they did put the belts on Ibushi and Tanahashi prior to this enforced, well, not enforced, but this absence on wrestling from the company. So, you wouldn't say New Japan. They might, they'll probably have a deal similar to Moxley and Jericho, I think, where they can make odd appearances in New Japan. Um, But they did talk about facing the North from Impact and the Briscoes from Ring of Honor. Let's be honest, Ring of Honor and Impact, they're not relevant anymore. No matter what people might want to say, sorry, Danny, if you're listening. Um, Ring of Honor are an irrelevance at this point in time, no matter what Marty Skull is trying to pull off there, the same with Impact Wrestling, they've, in the last 12 months, they were sort of picking themselves back up, but they've sort of fell off a cliff as well recently, nobody's watching Impact, nobody cares about Impact, nobody cares about Ring of Honor, the brutal facts is what you're going to get on this podcast, so the only place for them to go, if not WWE, would be All Elite Wrestling, and I'm sure that is the place that they will go, so yeah, that's the revival Um other little bits of news. Um, AEW were fined $10,000 from the state of Maryland for blood that was used, not used, but blood that was forced during those barbed wire spots back in that horrific match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley at the November pay-per-view. I'm trying to think, what was it called? Full Gear, Full Gear, that was the name of that show. Um, from Baltimore, it was... I, I, as, if you listen to this podcast at that time i was not a fan of that match um and it's just cost AEW ten thousand dollars which will be a drop in the ocean i'm sure but maryland the state the commission of maryland do not allow permit blood in their wrestling matches something that has been going on for years so yeah AEW fined ten thousand dollars for that so we spoke about the revival spoke about moxley an Omega match, Um, there's not really much else in terms of news that I wanted to get into, obviously a lot of these people are saying, well, where are these people from WWE who got released going, are they going to show up on AEW, if you're looking at Rusev, Rusev for me is the headliner of those that classed in the class, they're not Hall of Fame, but out of all those people released, Rusev is the no-brainer to get himself into AEW, followed by Leo Rush. And I think that is going to happen, but they can't go anywhere for a 90 day period. So I do not expect to see that anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, so let's get into the ratings. The ratings from week 31. Last week, AW won just slightly, um, very slightly won from last week. Um, the, to be honest with you, if you'd have said to me, I think you would have expected NXT maybe to have a slight edge. This week in the ratings, as I was waiting, nine PM UK time is usually when the ratings surface. Um, I was sitting I was thinking, I think NXT might just get a slight victory, although spoiler alert: the NXT show didn't really live up to its um, potential and what we hoped that it would be. Um, it did. It did have a big card going into it. We had, as I said, Charlotte, Io Shirai, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, the return of Finn Balor, where we were promised we'd find out who attacked him. The debut of Killer Cross, the Cruiserweight um, tournament would continue. So they had a really big show. Um, whereas AEW just had what the debut in Ring of Broken Matt and the return of Moxley MJF. So, really, hey, on paper, NXT was the show I was personally looking forward to the most. Um, I'm sure it was the show. Join mean, Charlotte E.O. Shirai, make no mistake about it, is a dream match for a lot of people. For me, two of the f- top five female wrestlers in the world right there. People do have their opinions on Charlotte Flair. Um, What is it, 10-time champion now, maybe even 11. But nobody can deny that Charlotte Flair is an incredible worker with a great catalogue of matches. Um, So, yeah, I was expecting big things from these two, but we'll get into that in a second. But the ratings from week 31 were a bit of a shock. AEW came out victorious. NXT on the losing side yet again, as AEW had 732,000 viewers up from last week. NXT with 663,000 viewers, slightly up from last week. Both were up by about, what, 39,000, 40,000 from last week. And I was quite surprised that NXT didn't get more of a bump from those two matches. It just goes on to the whole, is Charlotte Flair going to get viewers, and by the looks of it, she's not bringing any more eyes to NXT and um, than she would already get. Um, so yeah, AEW with a big victory in the week 31 ratings, and yeah, um. so let's get into, let's get into NXT, let's get, we'll start with NXT, do you know what I mean, I know on this show we always start with AEW, I do get a few comments of, oh, you always start with AEW, we'll start with NXT because, That is what I actually watched first in real time. I woke up yesterday morning and I thought, right, it's a big job to watch, what, three and a half hours back to back. So I'll get a bit of NXT in first. So sat in bed with a nice little brew before I started work, because yes, I am still working. Key worker here, ladies and gentlemen, key worker. Um, I was sat in bed with a coffee. And what do I hear? I hear this bland Johnny Gargano theme. It was not what I needed first thing in the morning, 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m., whatever time it was. This bland Johnny Gargano theme. And I'm thinking, what have they done? What have they done to Johnny Gargano? Sounds like um, a rip-off theme from Progress. It was just poor. So Johnny Gargano takes on Dijakovic. And only in WWE, right, would you get a monster baby face. And then the heel is like a five eight. Do you know what I mean? Is it really you'd like the 5 for 8 guy to be the babyface trying to bring down the giant? But no, not in WWE. They can't book babyfaces unless they're the size of Drew McIntyre or Brock Lesnar back when he was babyface or even Triple H. No, they don't know how to book. So Johnny Gargano Turned heel a few, what was it, a few months ago when he turned heel on Champa at the February NXT TakeOver. And now he's back being a heel. It's like, how do you have a guy that's so, did you not learn your lesson from Stone Cold Steve Austin back at WrestleMania 17? You've got a guy that is so over with the crowd. And they ruined him. They ruined him by when they first started having him uh, be the guy who attacked Aleister Black what seems like a lifetime ago. They sort of repackaged him during his feud with Adam Cole. um, But they turned him heel. And he's back as a heel. And for me, it just reiterates you have... I put a tweet up on Twitter and it's like, what is it with WWE having these guys who are perfect babyfaces, but due to their booking, they have to turn them heel? I mean, look at Bailey. Bailey, she was going to be the next big thing. She was going to be the rock, the stone... Well, maybe not the stone cold. She was going to be a huge babyface in the women's division. They messed her booking up, had to turn a heel, and now she's boring as pig shit, yeah? Daniel Bryan, who did a great job... With his, um, what, vegan heel run. But Daniel Bryan had been out of action for two years. People were itching to see him back in that ring. and Somehow they managed to botch that return. So they had no choice but to turn him heel. And they've done the same with Johnny Gargano, maybe on a lesser extent. Even Finn Balor, who looks like he may be turning babyface again. But I'm just sick of all these face and heel turns. Like Kevin Owens, Big Show baby faces and heels every single week Um, but as for the match, the match was fine, it was sloppy in parts to be honest but apart from that it was well wrestled Um, it ends with Candice coming out, you've got Johnny Gargano trying every typical WWE heel antic in the book Um, Dijakovic goes face first into the exponent's turnbuckle, which for some reason the ref doesn't call a DQ on and Gargano hits a DDT that is called One Final Beat and a nod of the cap for that Gargano Champer match from the other month. So one final beat and he gets the victory. So it was decent. It went, what, 12, 13 minutes. It was a fine opener to the match, to the match, to the show. Sorry, I distracted as Jimmy has decided to dive through the cap flap that for some reason is installed on my living room door. Seems to happen every show. Uh, next, backstage, we have Imperium. I love saying Imperium instead of Imperium. They challenge uh, Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher for the NXT tag Belts, which, spoiler alert, Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher later on in the show are backstage and accept the challenge, and that match will be taking place next week. Next, we have Tazawa versus Jack Gallagher in the um, Cruiserweight tournament to crown, well, basically Jordan Devlin had to relinquish the title, because he's stuck in Ireland, um, so they've got this whole tournament going on, this match really short, but the problem is, I don't know if anyone watches Raw, I watch Raw, but Tazawa was squashed by Bobby Lashley on Raw in 30 seconds, maybe even less, didn't get any offence in, and he's out here being a serious wrestler two nights later, and I like Tozawa, but for him to lose in 20 seconds on one show, then to be challenging and beating someone, what does it, what does it say about Jack Gallagher when Tozawa's going in there and beating him? So yeah, wasn't a fan of that. Keep Tazawa off Monday Night Raw while you're pushing him in this tournament. The match itself was good, as you'd expect. Two really good workers. Um, and Tozawa wins what I'd like to call a scrappy little match. So yeah, it was decent, but it was a bit short. Um, next we have... Xia versus Chelsea Green, I sort of fear for I think um, she's a Chinese wrestler, isn't she, and I can just see, if Vince actually finds out that this woman's from China, it'll probably turn her a heel, and have her come out with an anti-coronavirus gimmick, or something along those lines, so yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's Vince McMahon, nothing to surprise you from the great Vince McMahon, or so we are told, um, this match goes about a minute um liar's out and she receives a brutal kick from Zaylee. This looked really stiff. If it weren't stiff enough, Zaylee actually broke Aliyah's nose, what about four months ago or something. I remember that with a brutal kick. And the same thing's happened here, but I don't think um liar has actually broken her nose this time. But Zaylee turns around and Green hits the unprettier straight from the horse's mouth, straight from Christian to pick up the win. In probably just under a minute. And um, they sort of tease Aliyah, joining this uh, what is it, Robert Stone brand. Um, we all know Chelsea Green was sort of teaming with Deonna Parrazza, Deonna Parrazza? Marty scores girlfriend, whatever. Um, but she requested a release. She's since been released, so maybe they are looking at teaming Chelsea Green and liar. Next, and the debut, this is going to take some getting used to, by the way. The debut of not Killer Cross. no, you can't say Killer in WWE, you just can't. You know what I mean? You can bust open someone clean with your elbow and give him a concussion and plan to do that, but cot's call someone a killer. So the debut of Carrion Cross, oh, I can't say it. The debut of fucking Killer Cross with Scarlet Bordeaux, who oh Scarlet Bordeaux. Um, the gimmick, do you know what I mean? Everyone loves it. It's a bit overproduced, but let's face it, it, it it's gonna get over in WWE. In it, well, as soon as you get the crowd back, they're gonna eat up a gimmick like this. Um, you've got Scarlet Bordeaux coming to the ring, it's sort of like black and white, loads of smoke coming out, Scarlett Bordeaux, Bordeaux, Scarlet Bordeaux is sort of like miming um, the theme, so yeah, nice little entrance, routine squash match, as I said, the gimmick is a bit overproduced for me, but some people will love this gimmick, so yeah, the big note I had from this match, and I put this tweet up on Twitter, right, I put it up, and I thought to myself, should I put this tweet up, because I know everyone on the internet, well a big majority of people, Just love Mauro Ranallo. I'm going to heal myself to the Twitter audience, but I've no problem in doing that. But I'm going to read the tweet I put out, right? I might offend some people, but I'm here to give my opinion. That is what I listen to podcasts for. I don't want to hear someone just give the opinion of the sheep. Not the sheep, just the general opinion of everyone on the internet, of everyone around the world. And for me, Mauro Ranallo, as I've put in this tweet, he's a fucking awful wrestling commentator, And as I said on Twitter, the quicker people realise this, the better. He's like the guy who screams and shouts his way to winning an argument. Which is true. For me, a great commentator, they shout when appropriate, not during a 30-second squash. Right, if we've got any English football fans in here, yeah, listening to this, right? So, I'm going to take you back to Manchester City versus Queen's Park Rangers 2012, I want to say, right? Martin Tyler... Is a very reserved commentator, yeah? He'll be quite often, he'll be like, and the ball has gone into the net, and Manchester City have taken the league. But Sergio Aguero scored in the last minute to win the league for Man City. And you might be saying, well, what's this got to do with anything to do with NXT, to do with Mauro Ronello. Everybody who is a fan of football remembers Martin Tyler's commentary on this match. It's Aguero! Yeah? You've got Rooney's overhead kick against Man City, Rooney, overhead kick, Martin Tyler screams. It defies description. I can remember this. Sunderland one, Man City nil. It always seems to be involving Man City. G rounds, the. I think, Joe Hart in the 90th minute. And Martin Tyler screams, G, he scored. And that is a memorable call. Whereas Mauro Ranallo, he's trying to do memorable calls. In every single match, he's screaming, he's shouting. Oh, Achille, Carrion Cross has got this. And it's just like me. Come on, it's so a squash match, yeah? I know you're enthusiastic. I know you're trying to get across the product, but it's so half seven in the morning, yeah? We're well, during lockdown. I'm having a pretty shit coffee, and I'm sat listening to you screaming your head off. I'm having to turn my TV down so I don't want to wake anyone in the house up. Just give it a fucking rest, mate. you shit. So, yeah. I know everyone loves him, and yes, he's different to the... Give me Tom Phillips any day over this guy. Do you know what I mean? At least he doesn't scream at every moment. I want a commentator to scream for a big moment, a big call. Austin turning heel on rock. Daniel Bryan winning the title. Scream, then. Don't scream during a 45-second squash match in the middle of NXT. I think the word we're looking for is... Anyway, right. (laughs) So, now I've got that out of the way. Hopefully, we've not lost too many listeners, but I'm sorry. It's my opinion, so I'm not sorry. Um, Next, we have the match I build as a dream match. Charlotte Flair versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's title. Now, this match was just like a dream match that was announced and thrown together the week before. I wouldn't have any problem whatsoever with the finish. So, the finish basically just Io's dominating Charlotte. She's got her on the ropes. Charlotte grabs a kendo stick, smashes her over the head with it. That was it. They've built this up for weeks, yeah? And all they had was, they just used this match, one, to get more ratings, which didn't work, and two, to concentrate on Rhea Ripley, yeah? Now, for me, it just showed... They sort of don't realise what a big match to people Charlotte versus Io Shirai is. I'm more interested in a Charlotte Flair-Io Shirai match than a Charlotte-Rhea Ripley match, especially after you beat Rhea Ripley. I think she tapped. Did she tap clean like a bitch at WrestleMania? I think she did. She tapped. Yeah? The babyface tapped clean at WrestleMania. Why is she getting a rematch? Charlotte didn't cheat to win the match. She won the match fair and square forget Rhea Ripley I'm ready for the next contender so to build the next contender just to lead to a Charlotte Rhea Ripley match Although it looks like they're going through with a triple threat based on this, but for me I want to see Charlotte versus Io on the big stage But hey the match itself it was great while it lasted and um, two great wrestlers and um, the action was awesome The match the move that opened the match where it was like Charlotte Flair goes for a big boot and Io Shirai just does, like, a Matrix move to get out of the way of it. That was great. Um, but as I said, the match ends. It's, do you know what I mean? It's all. So, it's one of them things, the ending, where if you were really looking forward to this match, if I weren't reviewing this, I probably would have just switched the show off. To be honest, I was pissed off that much. But, hey, um, backstage we get Rhea Ripley getting interviewed. She starts a fight. Well, Io Shirai confronts her which doesn't make much sense seeing in storyline wise. Rhea Ripley's just saved Io Shirai. Um They start fighting and Robbie Brookside breaks it up. So yeah, that's that. Next, we have Kushida versus Jake Atlas, where anywhere else in the world, it would have been a great match, but time restrictions applied. Um, it was a really nice three to four minute match. I thought Jake Atlas looked great in this match. Um, But Kushida catches him in midair as Atlas is running wild into the armbar and Jake Atlas taps out a win for Kushida. These two look like they had really good chemistry. I'd like to see a longer match between the two in front of a crowd when and if we get back to normal. Um, Next, we get Finn out, who's just basically cutting your standard WWE promo about how he used to think. The biggest snakes in this place were in the office. He says that whoever attacked him won't be getting a push, They'll be getting squashed. Um, So Cameron Grimes is out. He wins a squash match, a match he didn't need to see so late in the show. He sort of says he wish it was him that took out Finn Balor, and he would have slapped him around the face if he was in front of him. Of course, Finn Balor turns around, hits a Pele kick, and yeah, the two stare at each other, and we will get that match next week. So next week, we've got Finn Balor versus cameron grimes main event time adam cole versus velveteen dream for the nxt world heavyweight title now with this for me i like adam Cole. Yeah, he's great but i feel like nxt needs freshening up a bit the main event scene does need freshening up it's been champion now for what 30 months i think i was there i was there live at takeover new york takeover brooklyn on WrestleMania weekend, which seems like a lifetime ago when Adam Cole got the victory over Johnny. No, Johnny Gargano won, didn't he? Johnny, what am I on about? Johnny Gargano won that match. I think uh, Adam Cole won at the 25th anniversary of TakeOver. 25th TakeOver, didn't he? Which would have been, I think it was, you know, this is how good my memory is, June the 1st last year. I think it was June the 1st last year, so he's been champion for 11 months and you feel like it needs freshening up. But on the other hand, I... I hate to like be the heel in all this. I've said I don't like Mario Ronell. I don't think Velvet Dream, Velveteen sorry, Dream is the guy to win the title. Velveteen Dream is not the guy you put the belt on, especially in front of no crowd where he's not getting a reaction. He's very limited, very green in the ring. Uh, might not be what you want to hear, but I'm just being honest. Velveteen Dream, he's got a great... well, He's got a good character. People love him, but when it comes to in the ring he's just not there he's just not there at the moment which and it shows you this because this match goes about what eight minutes nine minutes so they clearly don't trust him that much to go out there and put on a great match against a great worker like Adam Cole and um, the match is actually all right though it's fast-paced um, it's exciting Um, undisputed era come out as they always do Dexter Loomis is under the ring stops them the referee takes a bump Um, dream wipes out undisputed era Gets back in the ring and Adam Cole hits the last shot. on Velveteen dream. Um, and the ref, who, to his credit, I like this, where a ref, yeah, we don't see it often. This The ref will take a bump and then he'll count like as fast as he normally does. Whereas I think of like Earl Hebner, when he used to take a bump during that Triple H reign of doom in 2003, his counts would take forever because he was selling the injury. So it was nice that the ref did this. Adam Cole gets the victory over Velveteen Dream. They didn't completely bury Velveteen because so he did get a visual pin over Adam Cole. But Adam Cole is still your NXT world champion. I think overall it was the right decision. I don't want this feud to continue. We need a fresh challenger for Adam Cole and I think we'll get that. I think it will eventually get its way to Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. You do know I'm a big Matt Riddle fan. It should be going to Matt Riddle, but hey. Um, So yeah, I think overall the show, obviously the two big matches, you'd probably say overall didn't deliver, we had a fuck finish in the main event, and um, a DQ in the other match, so going into the show I was hoping for better, so it left a bit of disappointment in the air, but there was some good wrestling on this show, the show flew, It, it was a decent show, do you know what I mean, there was stuff wrong with it, but it was fine, there was nothing... It wasn't boring. Do you know what I mean? There's been shows recently that have been a bit house show-esque, a bit boring. But this, this was not one of them. So, yes. NXT, it was okay. Right. So now, let's talk about the other show. 27 minutes has got to be a record we've gone without talking AEW. So let's get into it. Let's get into AEW Dynamite. Now, sad news to start the show. As Chris Jericho was not on commentary. Oh, I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. Jericho was has been the highlight of the show for weeks. But I was thinking about this. He's, do you know what I mean? He's going to be making the company more money by just basically being the biggest star on the show out there in the ring. Um then he is in commentary, but Jesus Christ, he was amazing on commentary for these last few weeks. At least they've got someone that can fill in. That's one thing AEW are not sure of commentators. They've got Taz, JR, um Excalibur, T- Tony Schiavone, all really really good commentators. Um but yeah, one thing I did notice as we came into the building at Daily's place, it was nice, a bit of daylight, a bit of brightness. Um, the commentators actually didn't there was no sound for the first few minutes of the show maybe that was just um on my feed but you could notice there was more people in the crowd jr did inform us that they were all staff members wrestlers and employees of all elite wrestling but they were scattered in the seats um and scattered around ringside which some people are going to agree with some people aren't going to agree with so i'm not really going to get into that as do you know what i mean i don't really I can see why they've done it. It might not be the best thing. But, hey, we'll get into that later on. The show opens with Cody Rhodes versus Joey Janela. Something about Joey Janela, I feel like, just hasn't quite worked on a TV stage. I don't know what it is, because Janela's great. uh, Big fan of his spring break shows. But this, for me, was a pretty good match. Um, It was a nice match to open the show. I preferred this to the Moxley-Kazarian match, which a lot of people are giving a lot of credit to. Anyway, we'll get into that in a second. But... This match, it was fine. Um, Janela, I thought, looked good. There was a few, like, miscommunications, but it was a really well-wrestled match. Cody Rhodes has just improved leaps and bounds over these last few years, and he hits the crossroads, which they're calling the Cody Cutter out of nowhere to get a win in a really good opening match. Um, Next, we get Nyla Rose. um, Sort of like, what they did, like a video package for her. Um, All the future will... Future, future potential contenders are ringside. Um, Britt Baker, um, Chris Statlander, and Hikaru Shida, who are going to face in a triple threat match. Fatal 4-Way, I think, actually, with Penelope Ford next week, which will have title implications. Um, but this match was Nyla Rose versus Kenzie. I think Kenzie Page was it. Um, I saw I a saw post on Twitter. She's the youngest person to have a match in be 18 years old. 18 years old, so good for her. Good for her getting to wrestle live on TV at such a young age. Nyla Rose, however, runs through her like a train and um, gets the win. So Nyla Rose, just a squash match here. Um, Next, MJF. Now, this was a bit... It was really good. There's a promo where he sort of sat on a throne drinking red wine, talking about how next week he's going to be back and that he's better than The Rock, better than Ric Flair, and better than Roddy Piper, and people are annoyed that he's taking their spots, and he'll be back next week. And then, we get a Sean Spears video package. Sean Spears versus Cody must continue, apparently, by the looks of this, saying if he had a brother, um, that he wouldn't be able to live with himself after what happened last week during the uh, Dustin Rhodes versus Lance Archer match where Cody didn't throw in the towel. But then, after this MJF was like saying he'd be here next week, he just stood there at ringside with Sean Spears um, and being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. So... Yeah, it was a bit strange and confusing for people as thick as me who were like, well, one minute you've got MJF, like, on a video package saying he'll be back in action next week, and then you've got him just stood at ringside. So, yeah, I wasn't really... There was a little bit... It didn't really make sense to me, but, hey, they did it. And you had MJF and Sean Spears sat ringside the entire show cheering on all the heels. And um, they also... Siobhan, he also mentions that he's got word from Tony Khan that at Double or Nothing... Cheers, Jim. Um, it will be MJF versus Jungle Boy, which will be a good match. The two had a match together. Where did they have a match? I feel like I've watched them have a match somewhere at some point. Probably have. Um, but yeah, MJF versus Jungle Boy at double or nothing. I did myself think they were going to build to a Moxley versus MJF match at double or nothing. But as we're about to talk about next, that didn't happen. Um, John Moxley in action next Versus Frankie Kazarian Now Kazarian doesn't I'm going to be honest Doesn't really do much for me um, He's a tag team wrestler If there ever was one Scorpio Sky's the breakout From the, that group And um, the match just went A little bit too long I was on my um, exercise bike While this was going on And I was like I don't know if it was just Because I was on that That time seemed to be taking Ages or that I was watching this match But it seemed to go on And on And I couldn't really get into it Because I'm thinking Why is Moxley going so evenly with Frankie Kazarian. Do you know what I mean? The match went about 15, 16, 17 minutes maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just went a little bit too back and forth for me. Eventually, um, Moxley gets the win as he's celebrating who should attack him. I'm thinking, right, someone's coming out now. They're going to be the number one contenders at double or number one contender at double or nothing. And it is the dark order, which means one thing, Brody Lee, Versus John Moxley at double or nothing. I'm happy with this match. Um, as I say, Brody Lee, I think for me, we, we, me and Danny spoke on the show last week. We didn't really like his presentation in terms, well, I like his presentation, but I don't really like his ring gear. Danny doesn't like his presentation, but for me, his presentation was fine. I enjoyed some of the segments with the steak and stuff and sort of bullying around the dark order. So yeah, Brody Lee versus John Moxley. I think it's important that the two guys who have debuted at the same time in Lance Archer, Brody Lee, both quite similar, both big guys, I think it's important you don't just waste them, don't just have them pissing about in the mid card. you have them in the two biggest matches on your next pay-per-view to show the audience watching at home that these two are a big deal. And that's exactly what's going to happen, Brody Lee, Lance Archer are both going to be the two biggest things in the two biggest matches on one of your biggest pay-per-views of the year. So yeah, that was perfect. Um, Lee cuts a nice promo about how he has people that will sacrifice themselves for him and he isn't the same person that Moxley might know from the past and he takes the AEW world title with him, it's quite interesting really, Moxley, formerly known as Ambrose and Lee, formerly known as Harper were both in that Shield versus the Wyatt family classic match from Elimination Chamber 2014, so, was it 2014? Ah, either way It was a great, great match, that match. Shield versus the Wyatt family. Good times. Um, So, yeah, so I wasn't a big fan of the Moxley-Kazarian match, but we did get what we wanted to happen in there. Well, what I wanted to happen in there. Moxley versus Lee, big match, going into double or nothing, because they'd not got ages to build um, for double or nothing. So, yeah, you can just throw together this with a bit of a story going into it. Um, We had a video package which just reminded me of those horrible days of Brandy Rhodes, Um, With that whole gimmick with Awesome Kong, but she's um, doing a video package, calling out Jake, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, saying that back in 1991, he would have cowered over her, scared her, the babyface Cody would have come and made the save, but that won't happen, not now, basically did, (laughs) Lance Archer beat Cutie Marshall, went a bit long again, Um, For me, I don't want to see QT Marshall getting any offence. Well, maybe I'm just being picky, and have shown in the past that they're going to let their jobber squash guys... QT Marshall is in a tag team, but they're going to let people go back and forth for a bit, whereas I can sort of see it in some ways, but at the same time, I don't want to see Lance Archer just on the end of any offence from QT Marshall... But um, Archer eventually obviously gets the win. It did go through a commercial break as well. So this match goes like six or seven minutes, five minutes too long for me. Um, And then the controversial at the end of the match where I think, what did they sort of planted something where um, Brandy basically threw Britt Baker's shoe far away. And then after the match, Britt Baker hits a DDT on Brandy, throws her in the ring and Jake the Snake, Jake Roberts brings a snake out, puts it over Brandy. One of my mates, Tebs actually, who um, you all know from the podcast, Charles Tebs, he owns a snake, and he wasn't too happy because apparently Jake stood on the snake's tail. But yeah, just a little bit of tidbits to throw in there for you. Um, but yeah, I did find the nice little touch that the commentators did explain because I was thinking, "Where's Cody? Where's Cody? Why is he not coming?" Saving the commentators did s- explain that the dressing rooms are actually miles away, and you have to get a golf buggy to. Um, Daily's place from those dressing rooms that explained why cody Rhodes went there and i'm sure he will be next week um we get two matches official for double or nothing we've got a casino ladder match where the winner will eventually get a world title shot and they confirmed moxley versus Brody lee at double or nothing uh backstage we have a brief segment where taz asked darby allen how he's feeling after pinning himself which made me laugh uh, against cody Rhodes last week and that he can help him but darby allen's not interested and storms off i'm not sure if darby allen needs a manager but i'm a fan of taz so get him on screen um so yeah the main event time now main event so the show itself going up since i thought was fine it was nothing spectacular and then we get this main event which just reminds us all why we love AEW, it is Les Sex Gods versus Kenny Omega and Broken Matt Hardy and all the fun starts, even in Jericho's entrance where Pineapple Pete randomly takes a punch at Chris Jericho from the crowd which was amazing, if you've not watched it Jericho's basically been bantering Pineapple Pete on um Commentary for weeks, of Pineapple Pete gets his revenge and takes a shot at Jericho. I was laughing when this happened. Um, you had all the heels singing Jericho's song during the commercial. You see Jericho smiling at that. Spears has got his air horn. I've got in my notes. Fucking love AEW. This was just great. Put, putting smiles on people's faces, which is what you want to see. And then we get the great announcement that next week, Jericho versus Pineapple Pete. Sign me up for that um they also explain on commentary why the young books and hangman page are not there it is for covid19 reasoning so at least they're not afraid to mention the disease that is affecting the world at the moment um they did acknowledge something i noticed on commentary and if i know AEW, they do tend to go back to this much like a new japan will they acknowledge that the sex gods um, we're calling them that the Gavar and jericho do have a tag team victory over kenny omega and hangman page which they will, I assume, go back to. Funny enough, I actually watched that match. It was from one of the really early Dynamites, and I was bored like everyone is during this phase of lockdown. And I was actually, I've been watching some of the um, earlier Dynamites. So, yeah. Um, So, basically what happens is Jericho brawls with Broken Matt backstage, um, and then Matt Hardy comes back as Matt Hardy, sort of, from his tag team era with uh, Jeff Hardy. He dives off the top of a ladder, Uh, through a tech. I think it was we put through. I feel like it might be Guevara. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, But anyway, we get Jericho and Matt brawling through the concourse. Got in my notes. I can just see people complaining about the lack of social distance in here. There was quite a lot of people. I'm not going to get into the whole politics of it all because I'm fucking sick of hearing about it. I've boycotted the news. I'm sick of hearing about all this crap. Um, But yeah, if people are saying that there should be more social distancing going on, you're welcome to that opinion. And if you think that this was perfectly fine with loads of people backstage, then you're welcome to that opinion. I have no comment to make on any politics, but I thought that would bring up complaints, and it did. Um, But yeah, so Matt Hardy gets thrown into like a big locker of ice, um, and this leaves Omega on his own. He's running wild on Sammy Guevara, brutal powerbomb into some shutters, Um, We've got Hager getting involved, beating down Omega. Maybe that'll lead to an Omega-Hager singles match maybe at the pay-per-view. I was thinking if Hangman Page is out of Double or Nothing, which it would look like with this COVID-19 thing, uh, maybe we'll get Omega-Hager. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Hangman will be there at Double or Nothing. And maybe they'll go back with the um, Omega-Hangman versus Jericho Guevara. Because I don't think Jericho's got a match at Double or Nothing, although I'd expect him to maybe have a singles match with Matt Hardy. Um, But Broken Matt is back Or whatever his name is I can't even think of his name Um, With this gimmick He's back in the golf cart Runs into Jericho And and then we get Omega and Matt Driving off into the stadium right, On this golf cart And they do like a U-turn And the greatest shot Hopefully I can find this picture Because it's going to be the show image You've got Omega and Matt Driving this golf golf buggy, chasing down Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara's got a great look on his face. So's Kenny Omega. Just a great image. And then, they literally Sammy Guevara's head bounces off the side of this golf buggy. And literally, I thought, oh my god, he's dead. Guevara is dead, he's gone. And then I thought, well, I didn't watch this live, I watched this the next day, so I'm not hearing any news that Guevara is like, dead, so he must be all right. But Guevara's head bounces off the side of this golf buggy and he goes flying, one of the best bumps of all time. Yeah, I said it all time, I thought it was crazy. Um, somehow Guevara's up. Um, Omega, I think Santana and Ortiz are out, but Omega hits a brutal, great moonsault from about 15 feet in the air off some railings onto Broken Mart, um, Jericho and Guevara, but then we get Santana and Ortiz. out great spot, but I don't want to overrun that spot. The spots of Omega's moonsault, the spot of then um, Guevara getting mowed down by the golf cart. we just memorable, memorable stuff. But yeah, Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful, are out, and them and Hager power bomb Hardy through a table, and g- they power g- power bomb Omega off the top of the golf cart as well, um, and Jericho gets the pin on Kenny Omega after he hits a Judas effect on Kenny. And AW, a memorable, memorable main event, I fucking love this main event, goes off air with the inner circle, arms raised with the football field of Bankfield, the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, in the background. I just thought, what a great visual to end the show. And yeah, memorable main event. I think we all get these moments watching wrestling where when like an event finishes or a great match, you need five minutes just to, like, do you know what I mean? Just... Sit in silence, check your phone on Twitter. And I had that after this. It's the first time I've had it watching a match since the Undertaker AJ Styles match at um WrestleMania. And yeah, it was just great. For me, this the best um, this is the best empty arena match. I've said this a few times that like, oh, it was one of the best. This was the best empty arena match thus far. It was higher than four stars. I think I went four and a quarter on this. But fuck star ratings, this was fucking brilliant. Just a great Great main event. It put a smile on my face. Credit to AEW. It was just for me... Right. We'll get into the winner of the week now, actually. And um, The winner of the week... Do you know what you mean? NXT had a fine show, yeah? There was stuff I didn't like about it. I didn't like the uh, advertising of matches to get ratings... Just to have fuck finishes in them. But the show overall had some good wrestling on it. And it wasn't boring. Whereas AEW... They just set up some angles for some matches for Double or Nothing. It wasn't anything spectacular. I think overall, maybe last week's Dynamite was better... But the shows, that you remember shows, on if they have a great main event, the main event decides a show. And if you have a great main event at the end of the show, it basically classes that show as really good. If you order a boxing pay-per-view, a UFC pay-per-view, and some of the prelim stuff is average, the matches before are average. But then you get that great main event, everyone's like, oh, what a great show. And it's no different for wrestling. So the winner of the week is Yet again, Dynamite, so since the, the return of our show, it is two to 2-0 for AEW. So AEW win the ratings, they win the Winner of the Week award from this podcast, and they win the Match of the Week in terms of Lisset's Gods, need to stop saying that, versus Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. So yeah, that was Week 31 of the Wednesday Night well, Wars. Hope you enjoyed that show, I'm a bit out of breath, I've not done a solo show um, for uh, well a proper full-on solo show like that in a while. Um, but make sure you share the podcast I hope you enjoyed the show and um, ran through NXt aw for you and giving you a little bit of news at the start. Um, so yeah, share the show, follow us, the WWE vs AEW podcast, follow me at Neutral Res on Twitter, support us please if you feel the need to do so on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Neutral Wrestling, find us on YouTube, just search Neutral Wrestling and subscribe, Apple Podcast. just search WWE vs AEW and we will be right there on Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Spotify as well. Not Podbeam though, Robin Bastard. £10, £11 a month I've been paying for them. Anyway, um, so yeah, so hopefully you enjoy the show. Next week, we'll be back as ever to talk next week's NXT, next week's AEW. Um. We'll quickly go through some of the stuff you've got on next week's AEW. We've got Brody Lee versus Christopher Daniels mjf in action um, jurassic express versus the best friends jake roberts and lance archer builders the murderhawk will talk i'm sure cody Rhodes will make an appearance in that got a women's four-way match with world title implications and the main event we all deserve hopefully the main event chris jericho versus pineapple pete um on NXT we've got Finn Balor versus Cameron Grimes and Matt Hardy and Tim Matt Hardy, sorry. Matt Hardy's on the map. Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher will defend the tag team titles against the Imperium. So yeah. Decent shows next week as the road to double or nothing continues. So yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. I will be back next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later.